Hello everyone, I'm Steve Wiss and this is the latest edition of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm joined by my associates, the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Fadugba. How are you doing, John? Such a nice intro there, Steve. You're going to make me blush. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well. Super excited about the new season. I've been waiting for this now for a good few weeks, even months with the, um, the few Norwegian pods we've had in the last few weeks. Raring to go. Yes, this is going to be a special uh, Swedish Alsvenskan season preview for 2018. Uh, unfortunately, nothing Norwegian on the podcast this week. But uh, yes, the start of the new campaign. I'm sure you're very excited, uh, John. And uh, there's only really one team we can begin the podcast with, and that is the champions Malmö, who have won three of the last four editions of this championship. Clear favourites with the bookmakers, although... You can get nearly two to one on them, which would suggest it could be a more open race than expected. How do you think they're going to get on defending their crown? Well, it's a good place to start with the champions. And yeah, of course, they're going to be clear favourites. I think everyone would like to see a title race. I think it could well be closer this season than, than in, in seasons past. So it will be interesting to see how, how um, the challenges fare. But we, we have to start with Malmo, of course. Multiple title winners. They'll go for it again. Yeah, like I say, they're clear. They're clear favourites. They've they've lost quite a lot of players in this in this window though, um, and a few people are tipping other teams to maybe challenge them. So it's not they're not going to have it all their own way, according to many people. Yes, I mean one thing I was going to say is that they uh, scored sixty three goals last year in the league, and uh, they've lost quite a lot of the players who scored those uh, goals for them. John, thirty three goals in total have been lost from the team. A big uh, few changeovers. I mean, who's going to replace the likes of? Uh, Joe Inga Burgett and uh, Erdal Rakip, who you know knocked on the score sheet door quite a lot last season. Who is going to fill their boots? Well, I think no. In terms of goal scorers, Carlos Strandberg is the one that everyone will look to. Uh, he's back now in Sweden. He um, many people's tips for the top scorer actually. Uh, he's a 21 year old Swedish under 21 international uh, previously, and you know he's a he's a sort of strong player. I think he will score quite a lot of goals. He's coming to the side and we'll, we'll kind of look to, um, you know, replace the goals uh, left by a lot of the departing players. They've had players off to, going off to um, the MLS, uh, you know, the likes of Wolf and um, Jotun, who's already gone previously, and Tinnerholm. But yeah, Jeremy F will be up front as well. Marcus Rosenborg, 35, he, he's still there, the veteran. Um, but Strandberg is the one who everyone will look to to kind of reinforce and reinvigorate that forward line. Yeah, it seems like they might be slightly vulnerable this year, but is there that big fear factor for the rest of the league that, you know, they're the big dog and is there enough belief from the challenges that they can be toppled? Well, yeah, I think the key thing is, you know, Magnus Persson, who's the, the manager who won the title last season. I think one of the key questions for them, Malmo, this season will be, will he rotate and how will they kind of handle the, the Champions League qualifying? You know, they, they really want to get to the Champions League group stages if they can. How will he handle that situation? Um, last season was very you know, well known for the fact that he was regularly dropping Magnus Wolf, who was one of the best players of the, of the 2016 season. Um, and he was regularly dropped. Will now that he's shipped out a lot of those players, Racket, for example, Tobias San has gone, Sibitsky's gone to Leeds. Will he continue to rotate? Um, the likes of Bonky Innocence there now, who a lot of the fans have got on his back already and aren't really a big fan of. Uh, Kingsley Sarfo's going to prison, a £1.6 million signing, but he looks like he, you know, his contract's pretty much been terminated after um, some really serious sexual assault charges. Um, 
you know, that's a fair amount of money down the drain there. But there's the players like Matthias Fanberg, who's a youngster, a teenager, who's going to have a lot of, um, he's highly rated in Sweden and he'll have a lot of attention, I think. Uh, Oscar Levitsky's still there. Um, they'll look to have the likes of Traustersson, who's been bought on the wing. He's an experienced player who's won the league with no shopping, played in Leertisarium before Iceland International. They've also spent 700,000 euros in forward Basheru. So, you know, there's the possibility that he will rotate. Soren Reeks has come in on a free from IFK Jotteborg. So will he rotate Pearson again? Will he, will, he, will he shift his team around? They've experimented with formations and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in that sense. Yeah, there's one transfer that they uh, brought in that caught my eye, and that was Isaac Siwan Cambo, who uh, has come from Mulder on uh, loan. And uh, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure this is a great signing for them. Uh, not because I don't rate the player. I think he's got some decent potential, but he's always injured. or well, he always was injured at Mulder anyway. And uh, I think it affected his performances on the field, so they need to keep him in a good physical condition. Otherwise, unfortunately his uh, transfer will live up to his namesake um, in that regard. So uh, just one final question regarding Malmo before we move on. European football last season was a big failure for the club. How important is it for them that they at least go on some sort of European journey with the qualifiers this summer? And could that potentially affect them negatively in the title race? Because if you're going to make the, say, the Champions League group stages, I think you've got to get through about four rounds of qualifiers now, John. Well, I think the one thing to, to say is I, I don't think they're going to have it uh, all their own way, Malmo. I don't think they'll get to the sum, summer and be able to kind of rest several players and, and rotate their squad too much in that sense. I, I think there'll be closer challenges this year. Um, so I don't think the points gap will allow them to kind of take their eye off the Allsvenskan at any moment this season, to be honest. Um, on the point of C1 Cambo there, actually it's worth pointing out that the, um, they've brought Exxon Benicu from Hacken on the left left back who's quite highly rated, and also Eric Larson, who I was really impressed with uh, last season for Gif Sundsvall. So those guys will be the left and the right back, and then obviously they'll have Trousterson and probably Reeks on the wings. Um, so they do have a lot of you know players in that squad that they can rotate and move around um, to keep fresh for the Champions League. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a massive focus for them. I think if they were to go out like they did last season with a whimper, it would be a, a big disappointment for their fans. But like I say, I think they're going to have a stronger battle this season to, to retain the title yes um very interesting thoughts about uh, malmo there just uh, just to explain how we're going to go about the format of, uh, of this particular podcast we're splitting it into three sections the sort of the title european uh, challenges mid-table battle and then the relegation uh, battle as well so uh, there's uh, five teams we're going to talk about in this potential title race um let's move on to one of the Stockholm clubs, and that is uh, Jorgarten, who uh, are into the... Uh, I watched them in the Swedish Cup semi-final against AIK. They finally managed to end their curse. So there's a bit of positivity heading uh, surrounding this team going into the new season. Do you see them as a dark horse, potential ch ch winner of this title? Yes, well, uh, yeah, as you mentioned there on the format of the podcast, we, we've, we've also taken the list of um, journalists' predictions. Uh, the Allspenskan official uh, website has a collected sort of journalist predictions and we've um, we've looked at those and in, in their predictions you're guarding the kind of top four I think I think they're predicted to be fourth I actually think and a lot of people think that you're going will, will be around that area but I actually think they've got a, an outside bet for the title to be honest and I, I'm quite high on I'm quite up on your garden um, for a couple of reasons first is I really like the manager uh, I think Oscar Melka Michel is a really 
a good manager. I think he's proved himself at AFC Eskilstuna in, in getting them promoted. His players regularly talk about liking him. They, they, they sometimes have a love-hate relationship with him because he is a bit of a hard taskmaster. He does push players. Uh, it can be a bit gruff. Um, you know, chain smoking away behind the scenes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? He's a bit of a gruff character, but he, he builds a great team spirit and togetherness uh, in his squads. And I think that showed in the fact that, you know, they're the first team, you know, in 20 games, was it seven years to 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 lift the Derby curse, beating AIK. Um, the first time they've beaten a team from their own city in Stockholm for, for 20 matches. Um, and I think the backstory of that is quite interesting because, the fans groups, there's a lot of supporters groups at Eurogarden who, who when they were losing games last season, for example, it was a massive criticism. It really ruined their season, the fact that they couldn't win any derby. Um, and a lot of fans groups kind of thing had had words and turned up at the training ground, uh, angry after one of the games. And Oscan basically said to them, look, you actually, you know, everyone was kind of worried what's, you know, there's a fans group turned up to kind of have a word with us, you know, the hooligans, that kind of thing. What should we do? Oscan just went out and kind of had a word with them, had a cigarette, kind of chatted to them said, look, you know, I share your pain, you know, we're going to try and win it and just just had an open dialogue with them, if that makes sense. And, and kind of, he's brought that togetherness and that he's brought that understanding. He didn't shut them out or he didn't ignore them or, you know, call the police type thing. He, he just he just has that way about him. of he, he's, he's not afraid of anyone, if that makes sense. I think he's going to build, I think he's built a solid squad. And I think that showed in the in the game against AIK. They had a good balance about them. I like the look of Frederick Ulverstad in midfield. Uh, he's come from Burnley and I think he's going to be a smart signing, 25 defensive midfielder and he has he has a lot of balance to their team in my opinion maybe they're slightly light in terms of numbers obviously Kim Kallstrom's retirement and Magnus Eriksson going as well as a big blow but uh, to be honest I think they they are dark horses for the title yeah it's interesting I mean they certainly didn't lack for a goal last season uh Jorgarten. um compared to the other challengers uh they were significantly uh higher scorers than the likes of AIK for example but they, you know, you do make a good point. They've lost players like Ericsson, Engvall, and it's a question of can they replace them properly and whether the new signings can settle down. I guess. Very much so, Steve. I, I actually think again, I'm maybe being a bit of a contrarian on, on on this one, but I don't think the loss of Kim Kallstrom will affect them massively. I think it, it will affect them in a, in a dressing room sense. He's obviously had a fantastic career as a legendary figure in Sweden. Um, but I, I happen to think that personally, he tended to slow down their play a fair amount uh, in in this season last season. Um, obviously, being thirty five, and the thing was, everything went through him. He was the kind of Pirlo type figure, he'd spraying passes around, and so everything literally went through him. But he's he's, he's lost a fair bit of pace. Um, you know, obviously, in his aging years, he's retired now. And and um, when you're playing that kind of four four two system that they tended to play, you know, the banks of four, and you've got one midfielder in there, kind of not you know really really that mobile. It, it did. I think affect them in, in certain games at times. Overstad, I think, can can replace him. I think they've also got you know the youngster um, Hampus Vindel, Jonathan Rings come in as well. Dennis Kosica, who's come from Yon Shopping, he can kind of play central midfield if, if, if required, uh, or they may well play on the wing or up front more. But um yeah, I think Magnus Eriksson is a big loss, obviously Skitten, mm. you know, top scorer in the league last season, joint top. But uh no, I'm not I'm not down on Jurgen at all, I have to be honest. I I think I think that win against AIK showed a lot of people that they could well be up up there this season. Um, it's just about getting that consistency and maybe maintaining that balance. And obviously, the signing of Yuri uh, Movsisian recently up front was the, the striker they wanted to get in. So you know, who knows? Yeah, I've seen a bit of Movsisian in the last two years in MLS uh, for Real Salt Lake, and I just my problem with him, he just I, I looked at some expected goal statistics uh, the, uh, just last night and. Uh, he tends to not score as many 
than he than he should do uh, in the last couple of years. He doesn't. I don't think he's clinical enough, but he does have a good record in Russia, for example, uh, Spartak Moscow and Krasnodar. So maybe a return to Europe might suit him. He uh, he's got potential. So you've well, got- I mean, the thing is with Yulgarn, they they've got an eleven point deficit to make up on Malmo last season. I think it will be tough to close an eleven point gap on on Malmo. But I do think they'll go slightly closer this season. You know, I can see them closing that gap. Whether they can over, overcome it and win the league, probably not. But I think they're maybe at least third, maybe, and could could be top two, definitely. Yeah, you've got them down as third place. Uh, the big question for fans, do you think they're going to finish ahead of big rivals AIK? Uh, now, AIK are the second favourites with the bookies to win this league. But you think that might be a little bit of an overrated element at the moment? It's, it's going to be an interesting one. To be honest, I went into the game, the, the cup semi-final, thinking that they were going to win that game. Um, but what I saw in that game kind of surprised me. And I think what the challenge for Rick Norling will be is to blend a lot of new players into that squad and, and kind of uh, regenerate them slightly. Um, I, I, you know, I was at the we we reported on the podcast last season from the Hecken. Uh, AIK game, which AIK won six one. So I, I'm massively up on AIK. I, I think some of their football last season was outstanding. In the second half of the season, it was funny they barely could score a goal for the first six months of the season, and then you know first half of the season, sorry. But then the second half of the season, the new tra- the, the transfers came in, uh, the likes of Linkvist, Rasmus Linkvist, the likes of um, you know Nicholas Stefanelli, who I think is going to have a really good season again, just reinvigorated them. And they've they've gone about it again. They've brought in Tarek El Yunusi, who's a 30-year-old, who many have tipped to potentially be one of the key men this season in the league, one player to watch out for. Although personally, I didn't think he did a huge amount in that, in that uh, semi-final. Um, they've got the likes of Nabil Bahoui as well as a technical player. Um, but my key man for them, to be honest, is is in the midfield there, and I think he was massively missed in the uh, in that cup semi-final. It's Enoch Kofi Adu returning from uh, a spell outside the Asvens camp for the last year or so. He was at Malmo in the season in 2016 when they won the title, and I really liked him. I saw him live a couple of times. Uh, I wasn't surprised when he, he left, basically. When, but he's back now. AIK have picked him up, 27, central midfield player. He'll break things up. He'll, he'll, he'll be the sort of talisman in that midfield. I think he's a massive signing for them. Yeah, I mean, looking at AIK's big problem last year was a slight lack of goals, um, just 47 in total. And quite a lot of those came at the second half of the season, specifically the last third. Are they going to have enough threat up front, do you think, to potentially title challenge? Up front, it will, a lot will depend on El Yunusi. Henrik Goitem's getting on a bit now, obviously 20, 32. Uh, they've also got Stefan Silva, who's come in as well, he's signed. But Stefan Eli's my man. I think he's a really talented player. I think he could go on and actually make them a lot of money. I think he could be a player who gets sold for a fair amount. So they do have goals in the team, definitely, uh, if they click. Mm. Uh, but the thing is... I just thought they had a bit of a lack of balance in that in that Yule Garden game. So it will take them time to gel, in my opinion. Um, they, they got a bloody nose in that game. And I just think that obviously Kofi is the, the key man in that midfield there. And then obviously the full-backs, they'll have an important part to play. Um, I like also the signing of Joel Ekstrand, by the way, from uh, Watford. He was previously at Watford as a centre-back. So he could shore, up the, 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 you know, could shore them up a bit as well. I think uh, is in, uh, the general media prediction for AIK is uh, around second place, by the way. Uh, you think that might be slightly a little bit too high, but um, it's interesting to note that they uh, they are the general second favourites. So let's see how they go. Uh, the third uh, favourites to win the league are Ostersons, a team we've talked quite a lot about on our uh, podcasts over the last year or so. 
I've even seen some predictions they could actually win the league uh, this time under Graham Potter. Do you think they've got it in them to, to take down the champions? Well, I dare say to start with that I think they will finish above AIK. Um, if I'm going to stick my neck out on the line for anything, then I would predict them to finish above AIK for one. The interesting thing with Ostersons now is they are indeed many people's tip for the title, including Poya Asbargi, who's the AFK Otterberg manager, who's come out publicly and said he expects them to win the league. So that's an interesting one. It's going to be the first time in Ostersons history, really, under Graham Potter, where they're going to have to deal with something completely new to them. And that is, it's completely new to the club, really, in, in their history, really. And that is the weight of expectation. Um, they've obviously had internal expectations, you know, from their, their chairman, who's very um, ambitious. Obviously, Potter himself as well is extremely ambitious. But this is the first time they'll have pressure coming in from external sources. People are expecting them to win the league. That's the bottom line. And a lot of, like you said, journalists have predicted them and people have predicted them to, to, to win the title. Can they do it? Well, the first thing in their favour is obviously the fact that they got knocked out by Malmo in the, uh, in the cup. So that means they're not going to be in Europe this season. So no Europa League. So the Europa League obviously was a massive adventure for them, culminating in the, in the Arsenal game. But also at the same time, could you argue that maybe it was a bit of a hindrance, maybe a distraction? There's none of that now this season. So they can go full guns on the league. And on their day, they are a sensational team to watch. And I think they will blow away a few teams. So that's one thing in their favour. Can they win the title? Well, that's the key question, isn't it, really? That's probably the big question this season. They're probably going to need Malmö to drop a little bit, aren't they, for that to happen? You know, And obviously they themselves need to be at least on the 60-point mark. Probably between 60 and 65 might win it. So it's going to be, I mean, I've just looked at their, their transitions over the uh, the winter. They've not really lost too many major players. Um, Somi to uh, oh, to uh, the revolution in MLS is one of the examples. But by and large, they've managed to retain all of their big players, haven't they, John? That's a massive plus. They've retained a lot of players, but they have lost a few key ones. And, and Fuad Bacharu is, is, is a key one. I think losing him to Malmo kind of, um, that was a bit of a, a statement of sort of a state stamping their authority on on the league really Malmo there just sort of saying listen we're still the big guns of this of this league because Bachelor is a key man for them the the one of the things with Matt Ostersons is going to be can they keep their players in the summer Ken Semmer is going to be highly coveted now he was sensational against Arsenal I thought at times um really showed his worth and I think people will look at him in the summer to sign him the same with Saman Godos who many have tipped for maybe top scorer I had him as an outside of a top scorer last season but he didn't come in uh, this season, he will be expected to score a lot of goals. Um, will he stay in the summer? That's that's the big question. The, the good thing for them is Graham Potter's signed a new contract now. He's committed his long-term future to the club. That means that the players will be wanting to stay as well. They'll want to win the title for him. So they, it will take big offers for their, you know, for them to leave. They will want to stick around, in my opinion. But you know, like I say, it's the weight of expectation. They've never really had to deal with that before. Is Graham Potter the best manager in the Allsvenskan? In my opinion. Yes, I think if you, if you look at his record, I mean, you only have to look at that they beat they beat Arsenal away at the end of the day. <laughs> that's yeah. that's which other which other Swedish team could beat Arsenal away? I'm not sure. There's a lot of people who believe he he could actually manage in the Premier League right now, and that's just that's just how good he is. So I think that's a massive weapon they've obviously got as well with him at the helm. So yeah, and I mean Ian Birchnell said it on the podcast, um, you know, the last podcast in in our interview with him exclusively said that he thinks he'll 100% manage the Premier League or has the ability to. Um, if you gave Potter Malmo's squad, they'd probably win the league by 
unbeaten potentially you know you could argue <laughs> if he had the kind of resources to be able to do that he's built this entire squad from ground up um with really no money um i just want to mention test Teki, who i think will be one to watch this season in in midfield as well i think that's a smart pickup um he's a he's a player who's young and he impressed me at the emirates actually again signed it from north shopping for 1.4 million but uh he never really played for them and now he's there on loan i think that's another good signing um but yeah to answer your question i do think he is pretty much the best manager in the league yeah going to be really interesting how close they can go to this title um i mean i really hope from a neutral point of view it's a close race up there we're going to mention one more team uh potentially in this title battle the only thing i'd say sorry just before i interrupt just before we go move on is uh, if i had to sort of stick my neck out i would say that i think malmo's experience puts them in a better position to, to win the title so i would probably predict malmo really um but closer this year yeah. But, but a lot closer, and I think I think Ossessons do have the ability to do it. But it's just when you get to that, that key stage of the season, can they actually pull out the results when people are expecting them to win? They've got a lot lower, smaller fan base for one. Malmo have got a huge fan base. You know they, they've been there and done it. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's the sort of Juventus um, versus a kind of a Napoli type thing. I, I think the really big time is going to be in the summer when Malmo are going to be in Europe, and if they do go on an extended run, I don't care how big your squad is or anything. It just takes a lot out of you. And they've been lucky that they've been so far clear in recent years. But if it is close, the pressure is applied from those teams around. Then, you know, it might just be one of them years where they do come unstuck and Osterson's the side to take advantage. Let's see. Um, let's talk about BK Hecken, who have lost their manager, Mikael Stara, to uh, uh, San Jose Earthquakes. Had a very good defensive record under Stara last season. Um they're in the Europa League this time. They've got a new manager. I mean, I don't think you would see them as a title challenger, John, but they're in, going to be in the mixer to qualify for Europe again. Well, a lot of people have them to do to do re- you know really well, actually. Uh, yeah, the bookmakers predict them in fifth, um, which you know last season they were fourth. Obviously, I wouldn't say I'm down on them, but I think their challenge this year will be: can they finish above EFK Jotterburg, which is always you know can they be Gothenburg's kings again? I don't think they should be really looking much beyond that. I can't, I can't see them challenging for the title, no way, in my opinion. Um, not with a new manager, kind of. I think he had a disappointing spell in Denmark last season. Um, Andreas Alm <clears throat> finished ninth before leaving. Um, <clears throat> did reasonably well at ARK, had I think a 50% roughly win record. But I just think you know that that new manager thing will will be in for have an effect on them. Uh, they've lost some fairly good players, in my opinion. Um, Finer on, on his day was was a quality player. He was he is aging. Abubakari's left as well. He was obviously getting on a bit. bit Exon Binaku's gone, which was uh, you know a really good left back to to um, to Malmo. Yeah, I just I just I'm not entirely sure that their 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 squad the players that they've brought in um, will push them towards a title challenge. If I'm honest, they've got Victor Lundberg, who's averages sort of one goal every four games in his career. Marvin Selic could be a good signing. He's played in Serie A and he's played over 80 games in the Osvenskan. He has a bag of experience, but title challenger, not for me. No, not really. Yeah, the general media have predicted him about fifth place and you think that is probably about right, yeah? Um, no, I think they're going to be... I think top six will be... I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to hit the heights of last season. I thought they were really good last season. Uh, Mickey Stara, I think, is a good manager, actually. And I think he... Although at times he was a bit conservative... I do think he had a good balance of, you know, attack versus defence, and I think he got a good blend. I think they're just going to. I think their top players, their, their key men, are just aging slightly. Paulinho's thirty-one now. Can he still do it? 
they've obviously got players from their academy like Dalihu Iran Dust and Lucas Headland is one to watch. Um, teenagers coming from their academy who will replenish them, but I'm not, I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Obviously, they've got Alexander Angelin. He, you know, they've signed him to replace Binaku ostensibly. He's a left back. He's never even played in the Super Etten, let alone the Osvenskan. Uh, um, signed from Utsiktons BK in the third division. Um, I'm just not sure their recruitment versus players they've lost is going to push them massively forward. Yeah. Okay. Let's just move on then to some players to watch this season that you've, you've got a list here of 10 to watch, John, and six of them are from the teams we've just talked about. So I'm just going to go through that list now. Uh, Matthias Svanberg from Malmö, Frederick Ulverstad from Jurgarten, Tino Kadawir from Jurgarten, uh, Enoch Coffey Adu from AIK, and Frank Arin from Ossersons. Now, obviously, you've talked a bit about some of those players already, but now we can go into a little bit more depth. Let's start with uh, Kadawira, is it, from your garden? Well, he scored against... Um, he helped lift the ghost. He lifted the curse. And could it be a big season for him? I mean, to be honest, I, I penciled him in as one to watch this season as one of the key men to watch or, or players to watch. This isn't necessarily players who are going to be key, but I think they're players who whose value will increase and, and they will be talked about maybe quite a lot this season compared to maybe their status now, if that makes sense. Maybe might attract other clubs. Kadawiri, the problem for him, obviously, is the fact they've gone and bought Euro Movsisian now. Will he actually get games? Um, but he's a 22-year-old. Um, I do like him. I think he's um, he's got a bit about him. Last season, I remember I watched him live and I thought he, he looked he looked decent. Uh, I think he came off the bench in one game and, and just, just showed a few glimpses. Um, took his goal really well in the Cup semi-final. Um, yeah, I think he, he is. He's an African player, African descent. Um, I think he's he's got a bit about him to be honest. He's got a bit of character as well. He he, he was going crazy after they beat AIK, and he, I think he kind of really gets it. If that makes sense, I think he gets the fans. I think he loves the club. He enjoys being there, and I think I think the fans will like him as well. So yeah, one to watch for sure. And I mentioned about Malmö earlier that they're going to have to replace guys who scored goals and provided quite a few assists for them. Um, youngster here, Matthias Svanberg, on the wings, one to really keep an eye out for? Definitely. He's, he started quite a few games in pre-season with Magnus Wolf going. Um, he could be a player who kind of gets the faith of the, of the manager. Um, like I said, he's very highly rated in Sweden. Even last season, there was a lot of talk about him um, in, in Sweden. Uh, just from the youth teams and that kind of thing. He's, you know, he can play defensive midfield, central midfield or right midfield. Yeah, like I say, in, in certain games, he, he's, he's been thrown in by by uh, Magnus Persson and, and that, that obviously bodes well for him. Um, so I do think he, he is one, one to watch for sure. A talented player, definitely. Uh, he played in the, uh, he started the game against Ostersunds in the semi-final um, in the central midfield there. Did well. So, um, yeah, I think he's, he's one to watch, definitely. He's, he's an exciting player. A bit of a wall, bit of a sort of a wild card pick here for one to watch in the Osterson squad. Frank Arin, midfielder. So, tell us a bit more about this player, John. Well, this is a new signing. He came in from uh, the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana, uh, who've done fantastic work, by the way. And they're really, um, you know, social project. Obviously, they own a Danish team. Um, so, you know, it's a really fantastic academy and the things they've done. They really implement character into their players as well and kind of social responsibility. I think a few of their players contributed to that One Matter uh, Foundation, giving 1% of their wages to charity, um, charity co charitable causes, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, he's come from that academy, gone to Ostersunds. 
Graham Potter can spot a player as well, and the, the scouting team there as well are, are very astute when they when they sign players. Um, he's scored already in the offense game. I think he's played one game, that's for two games, one goal. I think last season. Um, he also looked fairly good in the uh, in the in the Europa League. In the, he had a few glimpses in the Europa League, and kind of I, I like the look of him. I think he'll be a player whose value will increase, and he'll, he should get some minutes this season. And I mean, we talked about these two before, but Frederick Ulverstad and Enoch Coffey. I do. Uh, for uh, Geogarten and AIK, respectively. Who's the more important to their side, would you say? Mm, well, it's difficult to say. That's that's a, a difficult question to answer. Ulverstad, obviously, has got Premier League experience. He's been at Burnley. Kofi uh, Adu has got Elsvenskan, a massive amount of Elsvenskan kind of quality. Um, you know, he's won titles, uh, that kind of thing. So I think they'll both be important. I've mentioned it already in, in the previous. I think they'll both be very important. Crucial players that are yeah, going to be. The dude's won the title twice already in his career. Overstad, like I say, he's he's he's, he's got experience. Um, he will blend in with the, with our team, and I just thought he gave a real balance to the squad, um, which you know they need with with obviously Calstrom leaving. Okay, um, one other player to talk about in this list: Deleo Irandus. I think he was mentioned a few times on the podcast last season for Hecken, that uh, he's going to be. You think he's going to have a really big season, don't you? Yeah, I think he'll be one of the breakout players for sure. Uh, this year, with um, Farnerud going, I think Irandus will get more opportunities now. Uh, last season, he already showed glimpses um, of what he can do. Uh, a very exciting talent. For those who obviously don't know, we had him as a talent focus. I think one of the podcasts earlier in the season, uh, sorry, last season. He can play in the wing. He can play as a number ten. He can play on you know left or right kind of things. As a technical player. Uh, I think a lot of people will look at him in the season. Um, scouts will look at him. Who knows? He may even get a big move. But yeah, he's a he's a he's a very talented youngster. Okay, we're going to take a little bit of a break now. But um, join us afterwards, and we're going to be talking about the mid-table battle and the the sides that are going to be battling to stay in the Asvenskin this season. So uh, we'll see you in a little bit. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. We are in the midst of our Swedish or Svenskan 2018 season preview edition. Uh, we've picked up on the teams who are going to maybe challenge for the title and we're back for part two. Before we do that, though, we've just got to mention our Patreon, uh, give it a plug, as we have been doing on the last few episodes. We've had another uh, patron join up with us and has agreed to kind of uh, contribute towards helping us this season and kind of accessing any bonus content that we'll be producing. So you know who you are there. Uh, thank you very much uh, as, a, as an avid listener uh, for, for contributing towards uh, the cause and helping us with our, our costs, running costs, that kind of thing, and allowing us to bring you more exclusive interviews, bonus content, and that kind of thing. Any support is extremely welcome in that sense. You can check out the Patreon on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Um, both contributors so far have sign up for the Yondal Thomason award which means they'll be uh donating a certain amount per you know uh, monthly and yeah anyone else who wants to get involved like i say it will unlock it's the opportunity for you to unlock extra content extra bonus content shout outs on the show that kind of thing so check out the patreon for more information 
Um, and yeah, like I say, as the season goes on, the more people involved, the more we're going to bring you in terms of exclusive bonus content and that kind of thing. Yes, thanks very much for all your support so far. And uh, we'll send some links out there to check out the uh, Nordic Football Podcast on Patreon. So, uh, okay, moving on into a mid-table battle. And I'm going to start with a big club, IFK Gothenburg, uh, John, a club that you're fairly familiar with. And I was looking at their ins and outs this winter, and it just seems a bit hectic, you know, all sorts going on. Um, The club always has a lot of big ambitions, Whereabouts are they in the Alsvenskan right now, though? I mean, what is the situation in IFK? Yes, it's a big year for EFK Jotteborg. Um, they have a big challenge to kind of re-establish themselves as the kings of Gothenburg after Beko Hacker and their smaller brother, so to speak, um, finished above them last season. In doing so, they've had a complete regeneration. They've brought in a younger manager, in fact, the youngest in the in the league, I believe, Poya Asbagi, who did a fantastic job at, at Gefle. Uh, last season, the Super Retin, uh, keeping them um, afloat after they were in dire straits. And they've also regenerated the squad. They've brought the average age down fairly significantly. Uh, I do like the transfers and they will look to rectify what was a quite a messy year last year, really, um, with some renewed focus and a new vision. Tobias Hisen, who scored nine goals last year and also provided seven assists for the club. It seemed like he was a key player still, but he's now 36 years old and he's no spring chicken. So can he still do it despite the ageing years, John? Well, no, I don't think they're going to rely on him massively uh, in that sense for goals. Um, although he will be a kind of figurehead, I don't think he's going to be expected to to kind of uh, lead the team massive completely. Uh, one thing about Poyas Bargi and what they've done in in the in the in the preseason, they've rotated their team a fair amount. They've tried different formations, uh, different setups. Uh, you know, they, everything looks a bit fresher at the moment. Everything looks a bit kind of a bit more energy, a bit more creativity, and a bit more enthusiasm. I thought they were quite bland, and I think the best words to describe them would have been stale and kind of just plodding along. Really, uh, at times last season, quite bland and drab to watch. I like what I've seen in them in pre-season. They've got a bit more energy. They've, they've, like I said, they've tried different formations, kind of a three-four-three. Um, even Discord's kind of played in a, in a kind of false nine or an attacking role at times um, in pre-season. So Asbagi's obviously trying to do things differently. He's trying to build a more fluid, a more fluid team. Um, and I think the likes of Elias and Marson, who, who I think will be one to watch this season, um, will be more relied on for goals, and they may well look for a player in the summer maybe a striker as well to kind of um add more goals as well yeah the mixed mix discord before we move on it's kind of a bizarre one with him he was at new york city and then man city signed him and now he's on loan from manchester city bloody <laughs> bloody ridiculous and that discord i've got to be honest i don't rate him that much but maybe he'll be more at home in the Alsvenskan. so uh well, he's very good at selling hats on his Twitter account. He's always got some sort yeah. of... Yeah, he's good at selling hats. Well, obviously they're going to hope that he puts them into the mixer for some sort of battle this year. But what's the highest they can realistically go, do you think? It'll be interesting to see. I think they, they, they're a bit of an unknown one in a sense. They, they've had a massive regeneration. Uh, obviously, Pontus Dahlberg, the big signing, will be off to Watford in the summer. 
uh, after the World Cup. And we have to mention, obviously, the World Cup is going to have probably an effect on the Elsmanskan, or, or will it at all? Maybe not. Um, but Darberg will be off in the summer to Watford. Uh, a big signing there, Premier League uh, signing. They lose their goalkeeper. Um, they've brought in the likes of Andre Kallisir, Carl Startfeld, who's come from uh, Bromad Poikina. Um, he's got some Elsmanskan experience. They've brought in Victor Vernerson. Um, what they've what they're going for, and I think what makes me quite excited with this team is that they've um, they've got a lot of younger players this season, and also they've got a bit of a renewed focus on their academy. They had a complete overhaul. Basically, IFK were in crisis last season, and they decided halfway through it all they sacked the manager and they had board meetings. The whole club fans wanted um, the board to be sacked, kind of thing. They sat down and they they redecided. They they started a new vision really. And the, part of that vision is is to integrate more players from their academy into the first team. Uh, and a fantastic example of that was at the weekend, just past uh, in the week before the season began, a 16-year-old by the name of Benjamin Nygren uh, came off the bench and uh, scored the winner against Ogrita in a sort of uh, Gothenburg derby, a friendly. Um, but as a 16-year-old, and he's very highly rated, by the way. Um, he's been at Brighton as well, I think, for a trial. Uh, a lot of clubs have looked at him and he's, he's very talented Swedish youth international. And obviously they've got the likes of August Ellingmark, who's 19. Um, so they, they're going for like a younger Billy Nordstrom, obviously he's, he's in his 20s now, but, you know, Edwin Darkvist. They, they're trying to sort of go through their academy players a bit more and, and push more of their academy into the first team. And that, I think, has just renewed the club and given them a, a bit more confidence and excitement. Eighth place, the media are generally predicting the map, but it doesn't sound like not really... It's hard to predict them. Uh, for, me, for me, they'll be higher than eight. Right. OK, so uh, a team that the media are saying are going to be around sixth are uh, Elfsborg. And uh, I have to say, a team we didn't really mention much last year on the Nordic Football Podcast. Apologies for that, Elfsborg fans. But uh, it seemed like if you wanted to see some goals, then you wanted to watch an Elfsborg match because 3.7 goals per game were averaged in their fixtures. Uh, they scored a, a massive 53, which was the third highest tally in the league. They conceded a whopping 59, which was the worst defensive record in the whole league, even worse than AFC Eskilstuna. They remind me of a team that I had on one of my football manager saves a couple of years ago, John, where I just scored goals for fun but couldn't keep them in it, keep them out at the other end. So is it going to be more of the same, do you think, for Elfsburg this year? Well, yeah, the key for them, obviously, as, as you've just mentioned there rightly, is can they sort out that horrible defensive record? They would have gone down if it was, wasn't for their... Uh, attack really, and they had um, they had Simon Lundeval and others to thank for that because you know they they had the top assist provider in the whole division as well. It's an interesting one with Elfsborg because obviously they're six-time league champions. You know they're quite a big club really, obviously in the Boreas region, and you know it's, it, traditionally they're a big club, but they kind of drifted and since they did win that title, um, I think back about four or five years ago now, they've got a new manager now as well, so he'll regenerate things completely. Jimmy Tellin. He was formerly at Yon Shopping last season. Obviously, they they went down, but he's a he's a young coach who's highly rated. Um, he's actually ranked as one of the most sort of upcoming coaches in Sweden. Really, um, tactically flexible. He, he likes a high press, so he probably will still look for an attacking kind of impetus as he did with Yon Shopping. Um, but you know, they were even worse. They they didn't have the balance that kind of Elfsborg did. You know, even though they you know they conceded less goals, they they weren't very good going forward. Um, but I think now he's got the players to maybe impact, input his own style to things. And I think it's a decent move for him, really. And it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to a bigger club. OK, Norshipping, they were kind of going really well last year, weren't they? First half of the season, but 
then they're uh, they kind of rather fell flat on their ass a bit in the second half of the season. Uh, sort of a lot of predictions in that mid-table range, maybe a little bit higher. How do you think they're going to fare? Well, North Shopping, they've made some decent signings, I think, but they have also lost a lot of talent. And I, my worry for North Shopping is, do they have a lack of goals in the team? Maybe have they brought in enough players to kind of overcome the the, the drain of a lot of really talented players from the squad? Um, obviously, they lost in the summer Nicholas Eliasson, who was a class player. He went to Bristol City. Um, they now then they obviously lost Nicholas Barcroft as well, who's so that was their left mid and their right mid. Then they lost Sebastian Anderson, who went to Kaiserslautern uh, for a decent fee. Been rumours about Kalle Homburg, but he will stay. Um, he he got, he was the top joint goal scorer in the league last season as well. But yeah, I, my worry for them is just do they have enough goals in the team? They may go four three four three this season rather than the kind of more traditional four four two that they had. Um, you know, Gustafsson, but I, I wonder just do they have enough? Have they just lost a bit too much quality? over the last year to kind of, you know, they, are they a bit of a Southampton in that sense uh, where just they constantly lose good players and then it drags them down? That's my worry for them, I would say. How about some new signings then for Norshipping that could potentially go well this year? Yeah, well, the one to look out for, in my opinion, is obviously the returning uh, Jordan Larson. He's come back to Sweden now after a year in, uh, in the Eredivisie in Holland. He's famously the son of Henrik Larson. Um, he's a spitting image of him, obviously. Uh, 20 year old, he, he had a bit of a rough time of it in 2016 with Helsingborg, who got relegated. And famously, in the uh, relegation playoff, he was actually attacked by his own fans who ran onto the pitch and tried to rip off his shirt, which was a terrible end to his time in Sweden uh, at, that, at that time for a teenager. It was a really harrowing experience, to be honest. And I remember watching that game live, and, uh, sorry, not live, but on TV, and it, it wasn't a pleasant thing to watch, really. These masks, masked fans ran onto the pitch and it was actually quite dangerous. Um, so yeah, he went off to he went off to Helsing, uh, sorry, to NEC Nijmegen, but he didn't really have a good time of it. Uh, it was in signed for about four hundred fifty thousand euros now, um, which Norshipping got from the Anderson sale. And yeah, he got eighteen goals, twelve assists in seventy five games. So as a twenty year old, yeah, he he he's the one who will probably come in and look to score the goals to replace the likes of Anderson. Interesting one. So uh, let's move to uh, another fairly big club in the uh, sort of mid-table vicinity, and that is Hammerby. Far too often in the shadow of their uh, Stockholm rivals, AIK and Jorgarten. But I just look at them last season and they seem the definition of a, a sort of mediocre mid-table side. They won nine, drew 11, lost 10, scored 42 goals, conceded 43. And I've had a look at Hammerby and... I'm just not sure an awful lot's going to change, John. Do you think they can move up or could they potentially move down the table? Well, I have to say with Hammerby, um, to sum it all up, really, they've got a great kit, they've got a great stadium, they've got great fans, but I'm not too enthusiastic about their, their squad, if I'm honest. I just think their recruitment's been quite random. Um, I think it's just a bit kind of, I look at their squad and I just, I don't really know where they're, where they're going with it. The summer in the sort of in the, in the sort of window, mid-season they they brought in a lot of players and kind of just regenerated things. Didn't really work. Bringing in players from different areas, Mura Martankovic, obviously who used to play for Fulham, famously appeared in that two-two draw under David Moyes in, in the Premier League, um, where David Moyes I think had eighty-one crosses in one game or whatever it was. Uh, he's a, he's a Hammerby. Um, just loads of different random kind of players, and that I don't really see all right, it could all fall into place and it could all go well. But, you know, they've even brought a player called Rooney, 
uh, and it's not Wayne Rooney, it's, it's an 18 year old from Ghana who's signed from uh, Inter Allies in Ghana. He's as a midfielder whose who's name's Rooney, but I don't know if he plays like Rooney. Well, let's hope for their sake he does. Yeah, well, hopefully he does. I, I, I doubt I'd be surprised. I doubt it. I mean, he'd have to score a hat trick in his first game for one. Um, but yeah, the thing with Hammerby is, I mean, well, you've got a bit of a soft spot for them, haven't you, Steve? I, I think he's sort of. Uh, I like them. I think they're they've got great fans. I like their kit, like you said, and there's something about them that I I quite like. So they might become my adopted Swedish sort of club, really. And uh, I'm hoping that you can. Uh, Maybe do them as a, a team in focus fairly early on uh, this season in one of our podcasts. So uh, it will be uh, interesting there. So mid table, do you think they'll be solid in mid table? What they got? Are they got any new players that can make a difference? Well, the, a lot of the uh, well, the journalists predicted them to be what was it ninth? I think sort of bang in mid table, as you said. Uh, they've got Jilawan Hamad, who is is decent. Um, they do have some decent players. With Kennedy back to Soglu, who's a football manager legend or chapman legend. He's thirty seven now. Um, I do like some of the players. Leo Bengtsson, I think, is a good young talent. But I just, I just not really sure where they're going. Nikola Jurjic is, is an experienced striker. He's played in the Champions League for Malmo. Also played thirty games in the Bundesliga. So he's he's a player who could do well up front. But he's, he's thirty two. Erkan Zengin is one that everybody's getting excited about. Um, he's been in Turkey and he's come back now. Twenty one caps for Sweden. But I don't know. They've, they've got Neto Borgs who's come in. They've got a lad who. I asked around and nobody really you know, knew who he is, to be honest. Um, and I was trying to work out where he sort of been scouted from. Um, and some contacts I know in Brazil didn't have a clue who he is. So, yeah, it's just, I can't figure out some of their recruitment, if I'm honest. So, we'll see. Okay, so a couple of teams the media think are going to be lodged in mid-table this year are Urubro and Kalmar. But there were, both of these teams last season, kind of, were in relegation trouble at one point. Do you think they are in danger again, or are they going to have a fairly comfortable year beating the drop? Yeah, Urubu and Kalmar, I think that it'll be challenging for both of them. Let's start with Kalmar. For me, it's similar in a way to Hammerby. Their, their squad list reads more like the yellow pages of Sweden, to be honest. Um, you've got, <laughs> it's actually quite funny to be honest. It made me laugh. They've got, they've got two, two elms. One of them is also retired, so they have three elms. They've got two ramhorns. They've got three hellbugs, or halborgers as well. They've got two hellbugs and a halborg. They've got a player called Nixon, who I don't, you know, he's potentially named after after the former US president, obviously. Um, yeah, the squad list is quite funny in some ways, really. They've, they've leaned a lot on Brazilian players uh, in the past, and they've done so again in this window. They've got a player called Hayago, who I've, I've never heard of. He's had a nomadic career. Nixon again, he's, he's on loan from Flamengo where his record's mediocre at best. But then they've got some players who they brought in, you know, like they've got Sebastian Ramhorn, as I said, and Johan Ramhorn, I think they're twin brothers, in fact. Gabenga Arioko's come in, who's been in MLS, played 50 games in the North Fence game, so he, he could be a good reinforcement at the back. Um, I think the challenge for Kalmar will be, can they avoid relegation? I, I don't see them being sort of solid mid-table, if I'm honest. I think they're going to be challenging um, to just stay in the division. I think that's their main priority, really from my point of view, looking at the squad. Yeah, it certainly sounds like everyone uh, is kind of related to each other in the uh, Kalmar team. It kind of reminds me of that Norwich City champ, mate. You know which one I mean, don't you? Um, so, Urubro, um, uh, uh, how are they going to do, do you think? Well, Urubro, I mean, just, just before I move on to, to them uh, with Kalmar, 
we're probably being a bit down in some ways. They do have some talent. Um, I do think Pap Dew is a decent player. Rasmus Elm, obviously, Romario. Um, and obviously Nana Bergstrand, who came in and pretty much kept them up. So he's an experienced coach and, you know, it should go well. But I just I just do worry a bit about their, their squad quality, if I'm honest, based on how they did last year. Can they keep that momentum going? Urdebro, I think they're slightly more interesting. A lot of people are down on them, aren't they? Um, some bookmakers have picked Britain to go down, I think. I think um, the general media, though, are sort of predicting they're going to be mid-table. So there's a few contrasting predictions, really. Yeah, I've seen a lot of um, predictions that say they, they might go down, in fact. But yeah, some are mid-table, some say to go down. I think with Orde Brewer, they've, they've lost players. Um, but I think there may be replaceable ones, to be honest. Uh, I think 10th is maybe a bit optimistic. Um, obviously, they've lost their club legend uh, in... Patrick Haginga, who's retired, and then they've they've lost a few other players as well. Uh, Ayaz, Mike Semmer, Divine Nar obviously went in the summer, um, but I, I think those players are kind of replaceable, to be honest. Um, I like the signing of Daniel Bjornqvist, who's come from AFC Eskilstuna. I thought when I watched him, he at times looked like their best defender, really. Uh, he's a right back, can play left back too. Albin Granlin comes in, he's played 200 plus games in, in Finland, and he's won a league title. I don't know too much about him, but He's obviously got some experience there. But really, the key for Orebro is the big question, can they keep Nahir Basara? He is, you know, if you were having kind of ratings of a player, he'll be, you know, he's, his value would be sort of maybe triple the others in some ways. Um, you know, he really is a star man for them. And the big question is, essentially, if they keep him, they'll be fine. If they don't keep him, they, they could well go down. He's that good. Yeah, he's obviously a big, big player for them, Nahir Basara. So, uh Let's now move into teams that have been predicted to to struggle this year. And there's a general consensus that Sirius are going to have a bit of a down year after doing quite well last season overall. Um, I've seen quite a few worrying predictions about this team. Um, but, I mean, do you think the, the concern is genuine or are they going to surprise a few people? Well, the thing with Sirius last year is, I mean, at one point in the season, they were second or third, I believe. They were in the top three. They they came out of the blocks flying and they were, they were really really exciting. Obviously, they're Kingsley Staffer, who now has become a bit of a tragic case really with his um his off field antics, um which we won't delve too much into. Obviously, a legal battle there. Um, he was the kind of talisman of that team really, and they flew up the league and were doing really really well. Um, they fell away a bit, and obviously it was hard for them to, to maintain that that form, and they ended up seventh. But seventh is still, I think, their best ever finish in in the history, uh, at least. It was a really, really good season for them, all things considered. Uh, they have to be praised for that. And I think Kim Bergstrand deserved a huge amount of credit uh, for what he did there. It's going to be difficult for them this season. I think their squad's slightly too big. Um, that, that's one worry for me. Does he know his first team? And how are the players who don't start maybe going to deal with that? But yeah, I, th I think they'll. some people have said they may well go down. I'm not sure about that. I think he's a good manager, Kim Bergstrand, actually. Um, Quality, do you think? What about is there a couple of players that are going to be really important to them? Well, the key man to mention in that sense is Omar Adari, who I'm stunned that they managed to get him from uh, AFC Eskilstuna. He had been linked with Fulham at one point and teams in the Championship. From what I understand, he, he found it hard to actually get a move. I, I don't really know why, to be honest. But yeah, he, he ended up at Sirius, which is a really good signing for them. Maybe a worrying thing is that they've probably brought a few too many players from uh, AFC Eskilstuna. Because they've got Abdul Razak as well, who 
EF Koyotaburg couldn't wait to get rid of. Uh, they've also got in Albanoz. So they've got a lot of players who've kind of gone down, um, which can always be worrying, can't it, sometimes? Mm. But, um, no, I think I think they've got a good manager. I think a lot of their players have got a good upside potential. But the challenge is, can they, you know, they've got points to prove, really. Um, and I was surprised they loaned out Zacharias Fowler, who's gone to Osters on loan in the second division. He's formerly of Man City. But um, ultimately, Shkodran Moholy and Moses Ogbu are two players who will carry that team in the in the forward lines. Ogbu's a really good player. And ultimately, you think they're, they're going to survive? What was, I think the media prediction was 12th? Yes. I don't think they'll go down. But I do think a lot will depend on players who have some question marks over them. Can Adari repeat his form of, of that season? Alba Noz, you know, what can he offer? What can Razak do? Razak's got a lot to prove, really, this season. 12th is probably about about right, I'd say. Maybe 10th, I'd say. I think they'll be a higher than, than 12th. Um, but they need to get a good start. Now, last season, Sundsvall won on the last game uh, of the year. They won 3-0 in uh, Gotteborg to uh, secure themselves a place in the Asfenskin for this year. But I've seen a lot of people predict them to finish bottom of this league, um, give Sundsvall and... There's definitely going to be some big worries about them this season, isn't there? Yeah, well, in terms of, in terms of their squad, um, they've you know it's almost been like a bit of a tsunami this this summer. They've they've lost their entire midfield uh, in terms of their first choice starting midfield. They've lost most of their defence, so it's going to be a real challenge for Joel Sidewin to keep them up. Um, you do have to worry for them really in that sense. I mean, they've lost Dan Dawson, Claude Gerson, they've lost Sulevich, who's gone to Ostersund, they've lost Sigurdsson, and they've all gone to good, good clubs as well. You know, they've all found a, a club probably in the offence game. Sonko Sundberg went to, to obviously, uh, Ostersund. Danielson's gone to Jurgarden. Eric Larson's gone to Malmö. So these are players who are getting good contracts elsewhere. And in terms of their replacements, they've, they've looked at kind of the Spanish market. And you just wonder if these players, I mean, I think David Batanero did really well for them in the summer, uh, second half of last season. I think maybe the thinking has just been, let's just pick up a few more Spanish players and see see how things go. I mean, Samu Dolas Reyes, he last played 90 minutes for them on January the 4th, 2017. So he's not even been in the squad in the second division of Spain for over a year. And he's meant to be ostensibly their main left, well, one of their main left backs now. It, you do worry for them. Mm. I think it's going to be a struggling season for Gif Sundsvall. Let's move on to the three newly promoted teams. Uh, BP, Dalkurd and Trelleborg. Uh, let's start with the reigning Super Etten champions, BP. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this name, John. You're the man for that. But uh, how do you think they are going to go? Brilliant Poikene, yes. They've had a big squad overhaul. Um, came up last season. They've got a great academy. They, they're a team I quite like, actually, Stockholm-based. Um, like I say, obviously, they, they put a huge emphasis on their academy. But they've had a lot of... Um, turmoil in terms of off-field. They've lost their manager, uh, Olaf Melberg, who is a bit of a villa, Aston Villa. Um, fans might remember him from Aston Villa, obviously. He left. He was linked to go to EF Core, actually, at one point, and he's gone now. Uh, they've brought in a, young, a younger coach, Luis Pimenta, who's a Portuguese coach. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. I think he was in, in Norway, actually, with with a team in Norway, I think, in the Obos League. Kongs of India. Yeah, I don't know if you know much about him yourself. No, I'm not... Uh... I don't really follow that league too much, so uh, don't really know much, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they've had a big sort of a squad overhaul in that sense, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they get on. 
do you think? I mean, I, I was I just noticed myself that they lost uh, the likes of Kevin Cabran um, and a big scorer from last season, Victor uh, Gierkes, and I mean, are they replaceable? Do you think, or is it going to be goal scoring is going to be a problem? Well, Victor Jokeres has gone. I don't know if my pronunciation is right there, but Victor Jokeres has gone to Brighton, so replacing him is going to be tough because obviously they've thought he's Premier League quality, um, and he is a good player. He he bagged thirteen goals. They've got Gustafsson. They've managed to keep Marcus Gustafsson. He got ten assists, which is a key player, obviously. So he'll be heavily relied upon. I think their midfield is looks quite weak to me, if I'm honest. They've got Gustav Sandberg Magnussen, who's a captain and a, a stalwart for them. But I just wonder about some of the players. I mean, they've got Alexander Nielsen from comes from Sirius. I wasn't really massively high on him. The games I saw of him, just I just wonder if they have enough in that midfield and also defence. I think Badra Majeti will be a good, decent signing maybe. He got 12 and 12 for Geffle in the Super Etten last season after joining mid-season from, uh, from Lillestrom. But yeah, the, you know, the main priority for them is can they stay up? That's, that's the bottom line, really. They had a 12-1-2 home record last season. A superb uh, home record there. So they're going to need the same again this year. And the team that finished second last year in the uh, Super and was uh, Dal Kurd, another very strong home record, winning 10 times in front of their own fans. Now, I was interested to see one of my old associates, uh, Sam Hart, uh, post his uh, prediction for the Arsvenskin this season on Twitter earlier. And he thinks Dal Kurd are going to finish as high as 11th. Uh, by the way, Sam, I hope you're doing well if you're listening to this uh, podcast, mate. Always great to see you on Twitter with these sort of predictions. Uh, but yes, 11th place. And I've seen a couple of other sort of suggestions that this team could be a pleasant surprise, Dal Kurd. Well, firstly, I think you need to sort of, uh, you and Sam maybe need to get get a room together and, you know, take your, take your, take your personal rest as it matters elsewhere. <laughs> but uh, no, hello to Sam and hope he's doing well. I think Dal Kurd, in a way, they, they look like kind of maybe the AFC Eskilstuna of this season, really, in, in a sense. They've got a very kind of... Um, sort of multicultural mixed squad and, you know, a good blend really of players. They've also brought in players like um, Mohamed Bouyatouri, I think is a big signing for them. I'm surprised he's gone there again as well because he was linked to moves to, to Liga, in fact. Uh, and he's ended up at Dalkur after a bit of a, a fallout with his club. Um, but yeah, they've got Fahel Ayaz, who was pretty average at Ori Brule last season. Um, four goals, one assist. But no, they're going to be... An interesting one, I think. They'll, they'll be an exciting team to watch. Obviously, they've they're only formed in you know they're a bit like Ostersons in the way they're only formed in in 2004 as a sort of a social club for for the Kurdish community. So they're going to have a massive support from the Kurdish community, not just in Sweden but around the world, as they already do. They've got some ownership issues off the field. Some cynics, cynical fans, are kind of talk about the, the 50 plus one rule and if it's being um, bypassed in any way. And obviously, they've had a, quite a lot of investment, really, to be honest, for a small club. Um, won several promotions and find themselves in the Eels fence game. But uh, I think they'll be an exciting scene to watch, both on and off the pitch. I think they'll make headlines um, for good and bad reasons, in my opinion. I think there'll be some controversies along the way. But uh, they'll be one to watch for sure, and I think they'll be quite quite interesting to keep an eye on, really. The third promoted team are Trelleborg. They beat Yonchipping in the playoff last season. Again, there's not, uh, in a similar way to Gif Sundsvall, there's not too many people giving them much of a chance this season, Trelleborg. But, uh, I mean, what do you think they've got a chance of surviving automatic relegation, John? Or could they maybe nick into that sort of third bottom spot? Do you give them a, a prayer? 
Well, Trelleborg, it's interesting because on your Norwegian season preview, um, we talked about Ranheim, didn't we? And Ranheim, Trelleborg are essentially the Ranheim of, of, of Sweden. Uh, it's a very similar situation. Ranheim, obviously, with Rosenborg in the area and kind of taking a lot of their players. The equivalent in to Trelleborg is, is, is Malmö. Um, Trelleborg are based in Skanna, which is obviously quite very quite near Malmö. Half their squad either played for Malmö or has come on loan or is ex-Malmo youth players, that kind of thing. Um, and it's a similar situation. They've got a bit of a link-up, and they've used that to kind of go up. Trelleborg have the youngest squad in the Allspenskan, so that'll be interesting to look out for. Everyone's pretty much routinely predicted them to be rock bottom. Um, like I say, they've got a lot of lone players. They're not very experienced, really. A lot of the players are inexperienced. You know, a lot of their bulk of their experience has either been at, in the Super Etten on loan from Malmo or, or elsewhere, really. Uh, so... It will be a real challenge for them. I think Dennis Hummett's a good signing. He's come from Geffle. He was one of Super Etten's top scorers last year with 12 goals. But um, yeah, it's just all about enjoying themselves really for Trelleborg. I, I, everyone's tipped them to go down. Um, which two teams do you think are going to go down automatically and who's going to finish finish third bottom? Well, it's tough to, to just put my neck on the line like that. Um, but I think Trelleborg will struggle to be outside the bottom two. So I'd have them as one maybe to go down. If we're looking at it today, I'd say I think Gibson's found may 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 well end up in the bottom two or bottom three, and I think Bromo Poikiner as well, maybe be in that playoffs, maybe one above that. But I think those three will be looking at maybe going down. I think the outside tip maybe is Orebro. I think if Orebro lose Basara in the summer and they don't replace him. I think they could potentially go down. They've got a young manager, Axel Kialis, his first full season in manager, as a manager. Losing Basara would be a, a real blow for them if they don't replace him. So they'd be my outsider, really, or Kalmar. But um, yeah, those three, Trelleborg, Bruno Poikina, and uh, as I've said... Gift sums up. Okay, so let's talk about some players to watch in these bottom teams. Um, we'll talk about some players to watch from the newly promoted sides in a minute, but let's just go into this guy, Bissara, in detail, John, because you mentioned quite a bit on this podcast what is so good about him um, and it's going to be so important for Urubro. Yeah, well, the funny thing about Bissara is, for one, he uh, he recently posted a video on, on his Instagram of his highlights um, and he's out of contract quite soon. So the funny thing that, that a, lot, a lot of fans shared it on social media saying is this a sort of come and get me plea because he's been linked to a lot of bigger clubs and Hammerby are one of the ones who are apparently quite highly tipped to to maybe pick him up in the summer and their fans would really like to get hold of him because he is a really good player. He's versatile, he's technical, uh, can score goals on either foot. Last season, I think he got seven assists, 10 goals, which is fantastic really um, for a player of that level. Uh, I think he will be off either in the summer or at the end of the season. And it's just a case of, you know, can who will get him really? I think I think he he could be the key to the whole season in my, in my opinion because I think he will leave in the summer somewhere. And it's just who would who would pick him up, um, and then if obviously obviously if, if Oribor did hold on to him, that will help them stay up if that makes sense. So if he leaves, he could potentially send that help send them down. If he if he leaves and then goes to one of the challengers, he could decide the title race potentially. So yeah, I think that's a really interesting one to watch. Bizarre, really, what happens with him? I think that could hold the key to a few um, positions in the table and clubs. I do believe you've got a very young player to keep an eye on for at uh, at BP Jack Lanner. Yeah, he's actually, I think I'm right in saying this, I may be wrong, but I think he's the youngest goal scorer in Swedish football history. 
He scored for Bromo Poikana last season as a 15-year-old. And I've seen him live a few times. And I have to say, he's a sensational talent. He's one of the younger scorers, as I mentioned. He's a winger. And yeah, I remember watching him in a youth tournament in Sweden. And I just thought, this kid is unbelievable. And then, like I said, a few weeks later, he was actually making his debut. He's only 16. I don't know if he'll stay there. There's, there's talk about him maybe moving or whatever, that kind of thing, obviously being so young. Um, he's a winger, but I don't know how much game time he'll get. But he is, um, I really liked what I saw of him. And I, it was interesting that Melbourne gave him those opportunities as a 15-year-old um, in men's football. Um, but yeah, one to watch. And a player to keep an eye out for uh, Trelleborg, uh, Noah Christofferson. What do you like about him? Yeah, again, he's not played much, to be fair to him. He's um, he's only, I think, played three or four times in the first team in pre-season. But he's got 19 goals in 20 games for their under-19s. So I think he will be one to watch, potentially. But obviously, they've got Salif Kamari Johnson, who uh, is 34 now. But he, he actually scored eight goals in, in two games last season. He scored four goals tw- in two consecutive matches which is unbelievable, really, last year. outrageous. Season. I know. Yeah, he got 15 goals all season, so he got more than half of that in two games. But um, Christofferson is a bit of a younger one, maybe, and obviously they've got Dennis Hummert, who's an ex-Trois player in, in Ligue 2. But um, Christofferson could be their, their man to watch. Maybe he might emerge as the season goes on. Yeah, I remember him at Trois. He was pretty crap there, really. But <laughs> times change, don't they? And, uh, yeah, a player to watch out for at Dalkard. Who's going to be their big player? Well, I think Bouyatore is a big coup there. If he can keep his head screwed on, something you know, he, I think he got three red cards last season, or at least two. Um, but if he keeps his head down and, and works, he's a really good player. He will be a big signing for them. They've also got a, a player called Yunus Banu Marzuk, who used to play for Juventus uh, actually, and uh, he's on the season-long loan from Lugano in Sweden. Uh, sorry, in Switzerland. Um, he's 22 uh, and a striker as well, and he'll be one to watch as well, I think. There's just a couple of other players on your list to watch this season. One that we're very familiar with on this podcast, Mikel Ingebrigtsen at IFK and Maroki Endione at Elfsborg. What have you got to say about those two players? Well, Endione is an 18-year-old. He's a striker. He's another one I've seen live uh, in the youth teams, and I think he's really good. Uh, Future ahead of him, uh, and he's sort of broken into the first-team squad. Uh, Talented prospect. And obviously, the fact they've lost, uh, you know, well, they've lost some goals, and they, he, uh, the new manager may well push him in there. Uh, Inga Brixen, you know more about him than me, so uh, maybe you should take it away with him. But there's quite a bit of excitement about him actually in Gothenburg. I think it was a really good signing. Um, didn't cost that much money. I think 170,000 euros in total could be a real snip if he develops as I expect him to. And uh, I, I do agree. I think he certainly deserves to be on this sort of uh, 10 players to watch list or a players to watch list that, that you've generated here. So uh, well, I think that pretty much some, uh, is the end of the uh, the preview. Thank you very much indeed for uh, your brilliant thoughts and analysis on the uh, Swedish Alsvenskan for this season. There'll be plenty more of that in uh, episodes to come throughout the whole campaign. And uh, again, once again, apologies for any Norwegian listeners, but this week we had to devote all our attention to the Swedish Alsvensk in the next episode will be much more balanced. Uh, plenty of Norway, plenty of Sweden, and hopefully there'll be some really interesting games uh, to talk about f- uh, from the upcoming rounds. So once again, thank you very much, John. Brilliant analysis there, and uh, let's hope for a great season in Sweden. Yes, it's been a great show, and I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. 
Uh, and also check out our Facebook page. Uh, just type in Nordic Football Podcast if you haven't deleted your account already uh, due to the privacy issues. But um, yeah, a big game coming out this weekend, Ostersund's Your Gardens. And so from this week on, we're going to be back, aren't we? We're going to be back to normal kind of every week now, Norway and Sweden. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be really great. And uh, yeah, big match there on the Sunday uh, to look for. I'm going to try and watch that all myself. But uh, from this edition of the podcast, it's goodbye from me. And take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.